What is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Radcliffe, and it is Thursday, December 3rd, and that was the longest week in NFL history. It was literally a week. But week 12 is finally in the rearview mirror, so we can start to officially really look forward to week 13. Big news breaking before the show. I guess it's big news. Josh Gordon's reinstated. Is it big news at this point? I feel like we've already been down this road many times before. And the Seahawks already have kind of their needs settled here. So I don't think there's much juice to this for fantasy purposes. But I know anytime Josh Gordon's name gets brought up, then, uh, you know, people start foaming at the mouth. So there that is. I'm not going to go into any more depth there. But I am going to talk about more wide receivers here coming up on the podcast today. Before I get to that, let me tell you about the presenting sponsor of this podcast, Monkey Knife Fight. Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Well, you need to go check out monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight.com is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world because monkeyknifefight.com is different than other daily fantasy sites. That's because, hey, on monkeyknifefight.com, there's no salary caps. You don't have to play against sharks, and that means anyone has a chance of winning, even you. MonkeyNightFight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love. Baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, NASCAR, WNBA, eSports, and of course, football. Monkey Night Fight has it all. And you know what else? MonkeyNightFight.com has a free $5 game for you just for signing up. And if you use the promo code RANT, you'll have your first deposit matched instantly up to $50. With a name like MonkeyNightFight.com, you can be pretty certain you know what you're getting when you sign up to play Monkeys and Knives and Fights. And sports. Sign up and play today at monkeyknifefight.com. Play to MKF and win. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. Use that promo code RANTH. It's a good way to help this podcast out. All right, so let's dive into the matchups this week. Wide receiver cornerback wise. And I'll start with the New Orleans Saints and Atlanta Falcons. I mean, I, I guess you would say in theory this is a good matchup for Michael Thomas. He's going to face... Isaiah Oliver when he's in the slot, I love that. Oliver's a 75% catch rate, 12.8 yards per catch in his coverage. And I'll say, for a slot corner, 12.8 is pretty high. Like, it's not enormous, but it's pretty darn high for a slot corner. I typically like to see those slot corners under 10. You know, generally speaking, they should be keeping things in front of them. And Oliver's not doing a particularly good job of that. And then on the outside, Darquez Denard, that's a good matchup for Michael Thomas. The problem is why I say in theory is I don't know if Taysom's going to deliver the ball. Like the last time, only two weeks ago, he did. Thomas went, he had his best game of the season, went up over 100 yards, had nine catches on 12 targets. But man, I just don't know. So, you know, this is one of those, you know, I always have to have this public service announcement. I'm talking to two different audiences. You may be part of both of those audiences. You may not, but two different audiences, DFS and season long. DFS, there is a little bit of juice here to use him, but be cautious. In season long, of course you're using him as a wide receiver too. Of course you are. You know, I'm not overthinking that. Uh, No real downgrades here. I would say it's neutral if Julio is able to get back on the field. He very likely will be shadowed by Marshawn Lattimore. So it's interesting what the Saints do. They really only shadow when they're playing divisional opponents, and, and in particular Tampa or Atlanta, and they'll use Lattimore on Mike Evans. He does a good job there. They'll use Lattimore on Julio Jones, and historically, he's done a reasonably good job against Jones. It's just Lattimore's season has not been good. He's allowed five touchdowns this year. Now, on the other side, uh, Janoris Jenkins on Calvin Ridley. Jenkins has been much better than Lattimore, 
But the thing that I like to exploit with guys like Jenkins and like Marcus Peters is another one. They're ball hawks. Like they jump routes. And that sometimes makes them look spectacular and other times makes them look quite foolish. So that's why I'm saying it's more neutral than it is an actual downgrade there. Detroit and Chicago. Uh, hey, I, I, I'm a firm believer that Mitchell Trubisky is a good thing for Allen Robinson. Targeted him 13 times last week, three of those in the end zone. And Detroit is really banged up in the secondary. So you're not going to see uh, uh, Desmond Trufant in this one. Jeff Akuda is banged up. And if Akuda does play, Allen Robinson will see a bulk of his coverage from him. It won't be a shadow situation. But Akuda's allowing 15.2 yards per catch. So I love the matchup for Allen Robinson here. I think there's some sneaky DFS appeal to Darnell Mooney. On the other side, Kenny Galladay hasn't practiced yet this week. It's Thursday, so that's two practices. He's not going to play this week. That's just my thought. Uh, that means Marvin Jones will be the number one, and I don't like this matchup for him. The outside corners are really good uh, in Chicago, and in particular, Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller is allowing .16 fantasy points per route covered, and I know that's a not it's not a common uh, stat. I've been throwing it out there recently. So here's what you need to know. It's pretty simple. It's how many points, fantasy points, do you allow for each route that you cover? Okay, that's straightforward. But what's good, what's bad, right? Well, league average is 0.29. So at 0.16, he's way below league average. Way below. Yeah, it's tough for Marvin Jones. Uh, moving on to Cleveland, Tennessee. I mentioned I like the matchup for Tennessee in the passing game. I especially like it for Corey Davis. Pick on Kevin Johnson. If there's one thing that I've learned over the last several years, uh, when he has, as long as he's been in the league, pick on Kevin Johnson. That was Colin Johnson last week, by the way, picking on Kevin Johnson. So he was getting picked on by a rookie, and 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 not one of the most heralded rookies, mind you. So Corey Davis actually figures to see more of him. Uh, Kevin Johnson's allowing an 80% catch rate, and the thing that's nice about Tennessee's relatively predictable is Corey Davis is. You know, playing on uh, that side of the field, on the uh, on the right side of the field, on over half of his routes. So you know, and likewise, then you can relatively you have a reasonably easy job to predict AJ Brown on the other side, and he's actually over there about sixty percent of the time on the left. Now that's Terrence Mitchell. Terrence Mitchell's doing a better job than Kevin Johnson. It's a tougher matchup. But I don't, you don't fade AJ Brown, and even in DFS, there's appeal because of his touchdown upside. So I like both of those guys. I'm actually downgrading Jarvis here. He's got to face Desmond King in the slot, and Desmond King is one of those corners, slot corners, who does a very good job of keeping things in front of him. So I, I, I think you know, you look at last week. I know a lot of people are going to look at the numbers and be like, "Oh, I got to play this guy." Well. In DFS, not necessarily. In season long, he's a wide receiver, three plus, no doubt about it, but not in DFS. Uh, Cincinnati, Miami. Um, on the Miami side, I like Devontae Parker if, and this is the big if, uh, if Ryan Fitzpatrick plays. And it, it's it's really looking up in the air as to whether or not Tua is going to be on the field. I will say this, last week, you know, I kind of poked fun at, you know, Darius Slayton not play or, you know, he was actually on the field. <laughs> you wouldn't have known it. Well, I I have kind of figured out why now. I got finally got to watch that. This is the weirdest week for my prep. So I finally got to watch that game back. And um, yeah, William Jackson shadowed him. So can't entirely blame Darius Slayton. I mean, I, I still it's not like William Jackson's a freaking shutdown, but 
I can't entirely blame him. So there's a chance that Parker sees a shadow from William Jackson. I don't really think that intimidates me, though, uh, if Fitzmagic is under center. On the other side, the matchups for the Cincinnati receivers are are not pretty on the outside. Not that you're playing A.J. Green, but Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, not good. So T. Higgins is a downgrade. I actually like the matchup for Tyler Boyd. I don't love the, the quarterback situation, but you can go after Nick Needham in the slot. Uh, moving on to Jacksonville and, and Minnesota, I wouldn't plan on DJ Chark being back for Jacksonville. And like I said, Colin Johnson beat up on Kevin Johnson. <sighs> he could beat up on this secondary again, but I just, in season long, I can't see how you can use him. Cameron Dantzler, Jeff Gladney, Chris Boyd, not intimidating, but I just don't see how I could use him in season long. There's appeal in DFS. Uh, on the other side, you know, you you love both Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen in this matchup. Luke Barku, yeah, I had to look him up too, and it's not spelled the way you think it's spelled. Uh, that is who Adam Thielen will line up across from about 50% of the time, so giddy up Adam Thielen. I do think he'll be back on the field this week. Vegas and the Jets, it's not a terrible matchup for Vegas, but keep in mind, Aguilar's banged up. And I'm not rolling with Henry Ruggs. And I, I think I've kind of learned my lesson with that one. And uh, Hunter Renfro, very minimal upside for DFS purposes. Not really on the season-long radar for me. For the Jets, I don't mind the matchup at, at either. I, I think, you know, outside, not too bad for Denzel Mims and Brashad Perryman. You know, on the outside, you do have uh, Damon Arnett and Trayvon Mullen for the Raiders. So not too shabby there. But it's more or less, do you trust Sam Darnold? And I don't love that season-long-wise or DFS-wise this week. Indian Houston, Brandon Cooks is in the new number one for the Houston Texans. I actually like this for him because he lines up on the right about 45% of the time, just under 50% of the time, which means he's gonna he's gonna avoid Xavier Rhodes on those routes. And that's Rock Yassin. I'll take that. I don't mind Cooks here. And really, I I, I think, you know, hey, there's gonna be a lot of Kiki QT love. I would not rule out Jordan Akins being the number two target. I would not rule that out. I'm just saying, I would not rule that out. Uh, on the other side for Indy, you know, ordinarily Michael Pittman would draw the shadow coverage from Bradley Roby here. Bradley Roby's not playing, so it's Keon Crossan and Vernon Hargraves on the outside. <laughs> That's nice for Michael Pittman. A little bit of a sneaky play right there in DFS, and I, I do think you could view him as a wide receiver three in um, season-long leagues. Moving on to our next contest. This one's a tricky one, the Rams and Arizona. I don't see any scenario where you ever fade DeAndre Hopkins in season-long fantasy football, but this is a brutal matchup. Let's just be clear about it. Darius Williams is playing Pro Bowl-level football this year. Jalen Ramsey, we know he's he's quite good. And, and Troy Hill, for what it's worth, He's not great, but he's holding his own in this secondary. So it's not a great it's not a great matchup for DeAndre Hopkins. I would not be using DeAndre Hopkins in DFS, but season long you don't fade him. Christian Kirk, kind of same thing. Season long, you almost have to view him as wide receiver three, just given his potential ceiling and floor combination. But not in DFS for me this week. As far as the Rams are concerned, I'm not intimidated by the Arizona secondary. I'm more concerned about Jared Goff. So I'm going to use Bob Woods as a fringe uh, wide receiver one. I'm going to use Cooper Cup as a mid-range wide receiver two. And I'm really going to hope that Jared Goff can right the ship a little bit. 
Giants in Seattle, I don't think you can use any Giants receiver with much confidence, even against the Seattle secondary. That's kind of where we are with Colt McCoy under center. If you have to use one, it's Sterling Shepard. He's wide receiver three. Seattle, DK Metcalf is going to see a shadow here. He's going to see James Bradbury, and I don't think it matters. I don't think Bradbury has enough to really contain Metcalf. So DFS, sure, why not? Season long, absolutely. And then Tyler Lockett, I know I keep mentioning the slot matchups, but another favorable matchup, Starnay Holmes in the slot, 80% catch rate on the season. But the challenge here is, are there enough available targets for Tyler Lockett? So that's why I said my advice is really to view him as a wide receiver two in season long. Obviously, he has appeal in DFS because of the ceiling. Uh, and the matchup is is quite favorable, so exposure to him, a good thing. Philadelphia and Green Bay, there's really no Philly receivers that I have any interest in whatsoever, and that's regardless of the format. I do expect to see a lot of Zach Ertz, and Dallas Goddard is, is an absolute stud. So let's talk about the Green Bay side. We're going to see a shadow for Devontae Adams. It'll be Darius Slay. We've seen this matchup before in the past because they were divisional rivals. It doesn't matter. And Darius Slay just got destroyed by DK Metcalf. I only saw one corner of this entire season get beat up more in a shadow coverage situation, and that was Carlton Davis last week. Carlton Davis gave up three touchdowns in his coverage in one game and over 200 yards. Like, wow. But Slay was almost there. Slay got destroyed in that matchup against DK Metcalf, and I don't think he has anywhere near enough uh, in the tank to to really contain Devontae Adams. So Devontae's, you know, top across the board. It's just always a question in DFS whether or not you pay up for him. Uh, otherwise, I mean, Lazard is running in the slot a lot, and that's not a bad matchup against Nickel Roby Coleman. He's allowing an 82% catch rate on the season. Moving on to New England and the Chargers. And my question in analyzing this game is how does New England – ultimately deploy their their uh shadow coverage here because I, I know that you, you know they're going to use it the logical thing would be to use Gilmore on Keenan Allen even though Keenan Allen is a slot receiver and I do think that's what plays out though there is a scenario where where that isn't the case but regardless I I, I do think it's going to be Gilmore on Keenan Allen which would mean JC Jackson on Mike Williams and I'll be honest with you if that is how things play out I think it's kind of sneaky to use Jalen Guyton in DFS. Not in season long. And and let's be clear, the matchup for Keenan Allen would be a neutral one. I would say essentially a, it's a downgrade for Mike Williams, but a neutral matchup for Keenan Allen. And I do think that's ultimately what we do see here. It makes the most sense. So, yeah, you, you figure Keenan Allen... Use him as you normally would, DFS. Obviously, season long, you're using him. Be a little bit cautious with Mike Williams in season long. And Jalen Guyton, maybe you know a little bit of punt option there because you can go after uh, Jonathan Jones with, uh, with that matchup. On the other side, I mean, the only player you're really looking to use is uh, Jacoby Myers. And the matchup's not particularly intimidating for me, but um, either way, can you really trust Cam Newton's arm? Denver, Kansas City, Jerry Judy's a little bit banged up, but I'll tell you the matchup on the outside is tough against this Denver or this Kansas City secondary. Bashad Breeland and Charvarius Ward have done a really nice job of holding opposing wideouts in check, and all three starting corners are holding opposing receivers to under a sixty percent catch rate. So that Kansas City secondary is sneaky good. 
for Kansas City, I mean, do does the matchup even matter? I mean, the matchup's really nice for Tyreek Hill, but does it even matter at this point? I, no matter what I tell you, he's going to be widely owned in DFS. Obviously, you play him in season long. Uh, moving on to Washington and Pittsburgh, and I'm not holding anything against the Steelers. The Steelers are 11 and 0, but I'm not holding anything against them. They were planning to play a game on Thanksgiving. They ended up playing it six days later. So whatever there. Uh, but this is a relatively tough matchup for the Steelers against a, a kind of sneaky, decent secondary for Washington. But it doesn't change. You know, you're looking at all three of these guys as relatively high volume guys. Deontay Johnson, the highest volume of them. Uh, he's a wide receiver two plus in season long. He's obviously in play in DFS. Juju Smith-Schuster probably has the best matchup of the bunch out of the slot. And, you know, when I look at him, yeah, there's appeal, but maybe he has the lowest ceiling of the bunch. You know, you kind of balance it all out. Chase Claypool has Ronald Darby, who's actually playing decent football, but he's prone to give up some big plays as well. So I don't mind all of those guys. As far as Washington is concerned, the nice thing for Terry McLaurin is he's lining up about half the time on the left, which means he won't see Joe Hayden on half of his uh, snaps. Uh, granted, he'll see Steven Nelson. It's not that much better, but Hayden is allowing a 50% catch rate. Steven Nelson is 60% catch rate, so there is that. 60% is still pretty pretty tough on opposing wideouts, though. Uh, Buffalo, San Francisco. For Buffalo, I mean, the matchup is really tough. There's no way around it. Jason Verrett and Richard Sherman on the same field now. Sherman is back and playing, you know, he he's tough. Again, there's no way around it. He's tough. And you have the luxury of playing Emmanuel Mosey in, in the slot now. But uh, Diggs, as far as I'm concerned, I think you view Diggs obviously as a wide, wide receiver one regardless in season long because of volume. And the volume would put him in play as a somewhat contrarian option in DFS. Uh, I know people will look at Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley. Sure, it maybe makes sense to have some exposure to those guys in DFS, but they are not season long options for me right now. Uh, San Francisco, Debo's going to be in the slot, and that's actually the matchup that I want to attack because Ayuk will be back. So that kicks Debo down to the slot with Richie James on the outside. I think Debo's really an interesting play in DFS this week, and I like him in season long as well. Uh, rounding it out, final matchup of the week, Dallas and Baltimore. We got enough last week out of Amari Cooper and Andy Dalton for me to have enough confidence here to use him in this matchup in season long as a wide receiver too. He lines up on the right 45% of his routes. So he's going to face Marcus Peters and Marcus Peters, as I mentioned, one of those ball hawks who you can go after and he can make mistakes. Now, can Andy Dalton coax those mistakes out of him? That's the other question. So I don't love it. Don't love it at all but it is at least a uh, solid enough play. On the other side, I mean, Marquise Brown, if, if we get Trace McSorley under center, we don't know if Lamar is going to be back, by the way. I'm not going to use Marquise Brown if Trace starts, but Trace cracked the code, man. He got the long touchdown. Uh, anyway, there you go. There's the wide receiver cornerback matchups for you. Of course, you can check out the wide receiver cornerback matchups tool over at ftnfantasy.com. I appreciate everybody reviewing the show on iTunes. If you haven't already, it is really simple, really easy to do. If you have an iPhone, open up the Apple Podcast app. Go to my podcast, The Rant, which you're listening to right now. Scroll to the bottom, click the stars, and you're done. You can also do so on the web. We have two days remaining in the contest. The contest is simple. Promote the podcast on social media, either Twitter or Instagram, really. 
save the Facebook people and the TikTok people from it. Anyway, Twitter or Instagram, and you can find a creative way to promote it. How, whatever you want to say, good or bad, everything in between, doesn't matter to me. The most creative promotion is going to win some swag. You have to include hashtag the rant, hashtag Rat Pack, and my Twitter handle, along with a link to the podcast. I know I'm asking for a lot, but you're going to get some free stuff, okay? <laughs> that uh, closes tomorrow, and I'm going to pick a, a winner, and we'll announce it next week. So I've already seen a bunch. I appreciate everybody who's already entered. You still have some time, so do it today. Most creative, funniest, whatever you want to do, man. It's all good. It's all good. All right. At Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram. Use that hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of the show. I see you, Rat Pack. I see you. I'll catch you tomorrow on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here.